Well, it has been a rather significant week for the nation, hasn't it? Um, woke up <clears throat> Friday morning to hear of all the results of everything that had changed in the life of this country. Um, but what you might not have known is I was thinking that this marked five months that I had entered into this country and had been residing here. And it's been very interesting to gain a little bit of an education on um, the British political process. <laughs> Let me scoot this back up here. Um, and how things work, or should I say process? Sorry, I did it again. I used my Americanism. Sorry, I'll try not to do that. Um, but there's been a lot of things that have been different for me as an outsider uh, experiencing life here. People ask me all the time, and this is not going to be something that's like a huge eye-opener of like, wow, this is going to change your life. They always ask me, what's different for you? You know, what's different for you? And one of the silliest things is this. My head still spins whenever I walk into a cafe and somebody orders a large American of any color. It just throws me off. And so there's lots of things being an outsider when you walk into a new culture that, that things are just different for you. And one of the most memorable events took place for me in August when uh, I think I've shared this before. I don't know if I have. Um, I, was, I was blessed to be able to go to the England versus Wales warm-up for the Rugby World Cup. And uh, it was quite an experience. It was a steep learning curve for me because I know precious little about rugby. Um, and by the end of it, I was appreciating it more. But it was what happened before the match began with this moment with all the fanfare and fireworks and everything that um, was most memorable for me and made the strongest impression. It was the singing of the national anthems. Now, the Welsh one made a huge impression on me because I couldn't understand anything that was happening. Um, but there were then probably 80,000 plus voices bellowing at the top of their lungs. What? God, yes, God, God saved the Queen. And uh, I had a video of it, but it was just really poor quality. But I have to admit, um, as an outsider, it was quite an experience. And I don't mean to sound um, patronizing, but... Um, it evoked a response in me that as an outside observer, I actually found myself wanting to be on the inside, as it were. Not watching everybody sing, but being wanting to be able to join in and sing and be a full participant. And as I thought back over that experience back in August, I couldn't help but think of the announcement of Jesus' birth in the Gospel of Luke. The first Christmas ever. And as we read it and as we had it read to us that it was meant to have a similar, I think, but an even greater effect on us as we absorb it. That the angel's anthem erupted, as it were, over the fields around Bethlehem, bellowing God's glory in response to what was happening that night. I mean, it filled the sky. Glory to God in the highest. Why? What was the reason for all the celebrating? What did they said? We have good news that will cause great joy for all people. Well, what was that? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And the videos we watched and we've seen of God's promises were coming to fulfillment. The King who would come and rescue people from sin had been born. And similarly, but in a greater way, the whole scene is intended to evoke a response from us, to draw us in from the periphery, as it were, to become full participants in why Jesus came. 
And the announcement of Jesus' birth, as we've read it in the Gospel of Luke, came to outsiders, and we'll hear more about them in just a moment, but they came to outsiders to make it clear that all can become insiders. They can become full participants in the life that Jesus came to give. And as we heard the Gospel of Luke read to us, how Jesus came makes it so clear that his coming is good news for all people. So what was significant about the manner in which Jesus was born into the world? Well, for one, as we know, he was, he was born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was predicted by the prophet Micah as the birthplace of God's promised Messiah, this coming rescuing king, roughly 700 years before Jesus was born. In fact, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, when they were trying to determine, uh, Herod was trying to determine why the wise men had come and he sought uh, information from his religious scribes, they reminded him of the prophecy and said, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The angel Gabriel when he foretold Jesus' birth to Mary, said, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so when the time finally came for the promised arrival of the rescuing king, The greater son of David, being born in David's town in Bethlehem, how ironic that no room could be found for him in the inn. Even if the inn had room, it's not where one would expect as the birthplace of royalty. Would not expect a king to arrive. Inns in that day often had the worst sorts as lodgers, and they were dodgy. And Jesus' true identity... We think about who he is against the backdrop of Scripture so dramatically contrasts with the state of affairs at his birth. And so, again, you'll have to bear with me as an American, as an outsider, but I tried to think of a way of putting it in perspective. And I hear that the royals holiday at Christmas time at Sandringham. Did I say that right? Sandringham? It's just a hard thing for me to say. I'm sorry. It's kind of like controversy. I can't even say that one right either. Um, But just imagine... And it could be dangerous to invite you to who you'd want it to be right now. But just imagine a member of the royal family arriving for Christmas at the estate and coming to the door and being greeted with, oh, we're so sorry, but all the rooms are taken. But there's a very nice premier inn down the road, and you could try that. And then to go there and to go to the front desk and be asked, oh, do you have a booking? Because it is holiday time and we're all full. But we do have a very nice enclosed car park. If you'd like to park there for the evening, you could do that. It puts in perspective when we think about how when Jesus came, how humbling a situation it was for him. And when we think about the manner in which he arrived in Bethlehem so humbly, It reminds us that outsiders can become insiders. The way in in which Jesus came, he arrived in the most humble way, in the middle of a, a messy world, 
humble and ordinary. In fact, if you were saying that um, all, all this about Jesus is a myth and you were trying to write a story to convince the world of why he is the, you know, the one in which everyone has to believe, and you wouldn't write the story this way. You would write a story of him arriving with, with power and influence and you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have written it in this way. But if you're trying to communicate that Jesus' arrival is good news for all people that will cause great joy to those who are broken and wearied by life, to those who are obscure and forgotten, to those who are perhaps distracted by achievement and success. His humble arrival demonstrates that his rescuing reign from the penalty and power of sin reaches across the spectrum of people in this world. It is good news of great joy for all people and how he was born in Bethlehem points to that. But not just how he was born points to that, who his birth was first revealed to points to that as well, that outsiders can become insiders when it comes to life in Jesus. Because the shepherds, as we've heard about this evening, would not have been on the short list, you might say, as recipients of the momentous news of the arrival of Jesus. I think many people in my country, when they think of a shepherd, Maybe you think this way. Maybe we need to erase this from our thinking, but we get this idea almost of a, uh, of a Yorkshireman in a flat cap and a tweed coat working his dog um, out in the fields, moving the flocks around, maybe uh, something like that. But at the time of Jesus' birth, most people had a less than favorable uh, disposition, if you will, towards those who were shepherds. They were definitely low in the social strata. Their trade was considered dirty and an undesirable profession. They frequently had a reputation of being untrustworthy and unsavory. Many times it's reported their testimony wouldn't be, even be allowed in, in judicial proceedings. They were frequently absent from the religious life of Israel due to the necessity of staying with their flocks and they were ceremonially unclean. And so I'm not condemning the individual character of these people that the announcement of Jesus came to, but without a doubt, they occupied a socially undesirable class of people at the time of Jesus' birth. And this has to be taken into account when we consider the announcement of Jesus' birth being first made to them. And again, Americans are fascinated with the royal family I think of the announcement of Prince George. Prince George, right? That's Prince William and is it Duchess Catherine? Is that the right way to say it? Kate Middleton, I don't know. But several years ago, we saw them come out just like all families do, right? All families come out and here's this beautiful new baby boy in front of St. Mary's Hospital. But imagine if it had happened a little differently. I read a survey today that revealed that um, the group of people least trusted by Britons was politicians and government ministers. But I thought to myself, in light of this story, they have some power and influence, so I don't want to go there. And so not knowing who it would be, and maybe this translates culturally, I don't know, um, but in my country, it would de definitely probably be used car salesmen, 
would be someone, and if you're a used car salesman, again, not to impugn the character of every used car salesman, but what if the first announcement went to something like a group of used car salesmen instead? Just as they were attempting to get a couple to purchase a, a nice vehicle in the car park, the fanfare, trumpets blow, the motorcade arrives, and out comes the royal couple with the newborn baby and says to Vinny, the car salesman, here he is, the future king of, of Great Britain. To help us grasp a little bit of the scene of Luke's gospel, the shepherds would have been like that. They wouldn't have been the people you say the most momentous news in the history of the world should go to this group of people. Again, if you're in the myth-writing business trying to win people over to your cause, this is not the group of people you would choose. But if you're trying to make a point that no one is excluded from the good news of great joy associated with the coming Messiah, the shepherds are exactly the right choice. The rescuing king's coming is good news to all people. From the social outcast to the pinnacle of power, no one is excluded from the possibility of experiencing new life in Jesus. Outsiders can become insiders when it comes to the life of God through Jesus. How Jesus came demonstrated that. Who his birth was announced to demonstrated that. The, the thing we need to consider is how do we respond ourselves to this good news of great joy. And in light of that, I want you to consider what the shepherds themselves did. In response to what they had been told, they went to investigate. Luke chapter 2, verse 11 uh, they said this. I'm sorry, not verse 11. So it says um, in verse 15, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now they could have stayed on the periphery with the flocks, couldn't they? They could have just decided it's much more comfortable and easier to stay where we are, but they had been given a promise of a potential of good news and great joy found in the Savior that was born that night. Rather than keep their distance, they drew near to check it out. And it can be easier to stay on the periphery. It's more comfortable to stay on the periphery and not have our world shaken too much. Or perhaps you're wondering how this hope and joy could really be for you. You feel more like that obscure, forgotten, uh, confused, broken person. But if there really is good news and great joy found in the life of Jesus... Wouldn't it be worth checking it out? Wouldn't it be worth following the lead of these shepherds who said, let's look into this. And as you do look into it, to consider what Jesus, the good shepherd, did. Remember Micah, I read earlier, described the coming rescuing king, the Messiah, as a shepherd, that he would shepherd God's people. And the prophet Isaiah said of him, we read in Isaiah earlier, but in Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. 
Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then what did Jesus say? That he was the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep that they might have life to the full. If you investigate the life of Jesus, you'll discover his birth cannot be appreciated in isolation from his death. He came to willingly lay down his life as a substitute for the sins of all people from all classes and all backgrounds for you and for me. And consider because of what Jesus did, outsiders really can become insiders. The shepherds who went to investigate discovered what they were told was true and they returned to their flocks glorifying and praising God for what they could be a part of. We didn't read this earlier. It says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. They were the world's outsiders who became insiders at the turning point of redemption's history. Later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians in Ephesus saying, once you were without hope and without God in the world, but now in Jesus Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And so as we've sung this evening and as we'll continue to sing tonight and on through the days and the next week or so leading up to Christmas, we do it in the light that God has shown us his great love and the sending of his son. And it's because of what Jesus has done for us that we can have life and we can have hope. And so I'm going to pray and we're going to continue singing and celebrating in light of that hope. And would you join with me now uh, just as we pray, as we finish this time. Lord Jesus, we join in singing with the angels, marveling at the reality and the wonder of your entry into this world. And marveling, Lord, that what you did and why you came to give your life as a ransom for many. is good news of great joy for all people. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son in such a way that we can know that no one is excluded from the possibility of experiencing forgiveness and life through him. Father, I pray that you would draw us near to yourself just as you drew near to us in sending your son, may we draw near to you during this season. For some, maybe to investigate, to see about these claims of Jesus and why he came. For others to celebrate knowing why he came and having life in him. Lord, as we consider that time when you came to this earth, think of the words of the song we're about to hear. 
So lift your eyes to see the light of Jesus, his majesty and servant love for you. So welcome in and bow the knee to Jesus at the coming of the King. At the coming of the King. Amen.